Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super honored and excited for today's guests, Shannon Miles, Sally Hogshead, Marisa Murgatroyd, Lisa Sasevich, Diana House, Bonnie Fay. Let's welcome Liz to Making Bank. Hey, I'm a good pal, everyone. I'm super duper duper so incredibly excited to be here. Thank you so much, Joshy, for letting me come along here. We're going to have some fun tonight, right? Heck yeah, it's going to be a fun interview. You know, you had that battle and, you know, you, the, the it was the whole mindset and, you know, how do I, you, you know, transform that mindset to, you know, move me towards that path to success. I mean, what, how did, how did you, I mean, what did you do? to push through or push past that? Uh, I, I got to know who I was, like, and how do, how do I need information? So I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we all, have, we all have struggles, we all have mindset stuff that we need to get through, but it's not until we understand who we truly are as people. So sure. I started to fall in love with the fact that I'm dyslexic and I see things on a completely different level to some people. And I'm like, oh, you know what, Albert Einstein, right, <laughs> you're my dude. And like, I started to see all these successful people and then I started to go oh my gosh they're not dumb I'm not dumb and like I started to see my curses um as real you know real assets into the business so I started to get to know who I was and that helped me go oh well you know what I don't flow over there it's okay that's not my place to flow this is my place to flow here sure. can someone else pick up that stuff for me please and and yeah that was kind of cool. So I'm still going through that struggle now where I'm getting off less and less, uh, sorry, getting off the stuff to, and giving giving jobs that I don't want anymore to other people. So give us uh, maybe like three or four success strategies that uh, we can leave our audience with. Okay, cool. So the very first one you must do, like if you, I'm going to look straight in the camera right now, the very first thing you must do is have a really high level A game accountability partner. I have one right here right now and it's like, Bam, what are you going to do today? Bam, what are you going to do today? Bam, what are you going to do today? And what it forces you to do when you have a, an A-game accountability partner <laughs> is that it forces you to think of the stuff that is actually going to make you money in business as opposed to cost you time, right? right. So if it's costing you time, it's actually costing you money. We've done lots of sales figures out um, to actually work out what the ROI of being dumb is and what the ROI <laughs> – and by being dumb, I mean as like spending your time really in a really right. stupid way. And then the ROI of being really strategic with your time, seriously, we've come up with some seriously cool equations. So find yourself an accountability partner, a high-level accountability partner who ideally is better at stuff than you in certain areas. Okay, that's the number one thing there. Number two is... I really want to make sure, and this is so important, so important, and I know that you're going to understand this one too, Josh, is that life's not all about, like, this thing called business is not all about money. 
please make sure that you don't sit there and go, money, 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 money. How much money am I making? How much money am I making? Because your relationships are going to go to shit. Your health is going to go to shit. Ultimately, your wealth will probably deteriorate as well because you took you didn't take a very holistic approach to it. Now, there are going to be times when you have to be out of balance, where you have to go, 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 go. Right. Awesome. Make sure you focus on your health and your relationships during those periods of time, or else I promise you right here, right now, you will regret it. The number, the, the, the third thing is get your ass on social media and get out there as much as humanly possible and brand yourself as a guru in whatever area you are in. Okay. So just have the courage to put your face out there and then do it again and then do it again and then be consistent with putting yourself out there on social media and don't care what your mother says to you. If your mother says, oh, I didn't like that video of you. Cool. Thank you for the feedback, mum. Block. <laughs> no, you don't have to block. But just, <laughs> I might have actually blocked my mum at one stage. Mum, I can't handle your feedback right now. Okay, I'll let you back Take in. a break. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So that's it. Awesome. No, that's great. Uh, as entrepreneurs, we can't hide behind a facade. It's not like we can roll under our desk and, and curl up in a ball when the grenades start flying. And I, I think there's a role of, in vulnerability, both in business and in life, that in order for us to create authentic connections, it's important for us to uh, be able to share parts of ourselves that um, that, that are so deeply rooted that it, it, it allows us to have a little heart and soul connection. I guess, you know, as entrepreneurs, and there's, a, I mean, a lot of, I mean, myself, especially, you know, type A and, you know, you're just focused on driven and everything else i guess hey <laughs> you know i mean you know you you are and as well as the people you work yeah. with um how do you i guess encourage or help people in that position be able to find that or be able to open up and have that be able to like share that vulnerability with other people it, it, that's a really great question, um, and let's let's put I'm going to put the word vulnerability aside for a moment. Sure. We can get back to that. I've measured a million people with this assessment, the fascination advantage, to discover exactly that. What is the quality within somebody that allows them to communicate so authentically that they 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 don't have to try to pretend they're not rehearsing a script when they go in they feel confident. But we, we discovered that we could identify certain traits within the high performers. And specifically, we've measured 100,000 high performing leaders within um, small businesses or, or entrepreneurs. And what we found, the high performers and their communication patterns, they do two things differently than the average performers. The first thing they do is high performers deliver a very specific benefit. So the benefit might be um, if somebody's detail oriented, they're really good at details. They hone in on details. They look for clients and projects where they can over deliver on details. They don't try to be the big picture, rah, rah, visionary brainstormer. On the other hand, with the high performing entrepreneurs were doing, um, on the other hand, if they weren't good at details, they didn't get anywhere near details because for them that made them feel like they were getting in the weeds. On both of these types of, of kind of the ultra performers, the ones many of whom you and I know in common, they, what the ultra performers were doing is they, they were both mostly type A, but they had different ways of communicating that. And sometimes that we think when somebody is we have a classic mindset of the entrepreneur who's kind of this like eccentric genius and they, um, they're very verbal and they, they like to be able to jump right in. But the reality is a lot of the most successful ones that we studied tended to not want to jump into the spotlight, but instead they liked analysis. They liked to be meticulous. They wanted to really get in and craft and hone and they were uncomfortable with um, those, those big leaps of faith you've had your employees to some degree working from home or all at home, you know, in, in like say econ businesses or, um, 
certain office environments where they they're still operating but just in your virtual space now the employees are like yeah i'm more productive but then the boss is like i don't know how can you be more productive because you got five kids at home and how are you getting actually 40 hours a week in and like i guess how do you like balance that and actually are they really getting more work done or are they only doing five hours of work and the rest of the (laughs) you know out of an eight hour day and stuff it's been this has been such an interesting time for everybody i think we were all shell-shocked by how quickly things evolved sure normal lives to, wow, there's this thing going on in China to our kids aren't going to school anymore. This year. <laughs> yeah. They were working from home. Right. So I would, I've said this before and I still believe it to be true. This was the hardest way to start working from home for so many people. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't also be homeschooling your kids. Right. You wouldn't go have your preschoolers home with you. They would be in daycare or have some other accommodation. So I think to say, uh, you know, I'm skeptical about this work from home thing because I'm just not really sure about the productivity. Like, this was the worst way to do it. Like, but <laughs> yeah. it is going to be a thing that we continue on as business owners. And I think it should be. There are definitely some really practical ways that your team can start blocking their time that you can set, like Brian said, really clear expectations sure. on round time for things, accessibility, anticipated work hours. If you're away from your computer for more than an hour, you need to give your boss a heads up. Like little things like that really help build trust Mm. world. And to the question of, are you really working your 40 hours a week when you've got your five kids running around or are you really just working five hours a week? Like you should be tracking the metrics of your organization and know how productive your employees are, whether they're in Uh. and off. There we go. Yeah. That shouldn't even be a question in my opinion. So tell me a little bit more. You're talking about, you know, attracting more people, you know, building the business, you know, learning all the different things. What was that one key thing? And it sounded like you mentioned it there. You learned how to create an irresistible offer to attract more clients in. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit more? Absolutely. I mean, it's my passion. And as we were saying before the break, as I was saying, um, I really believe, you know, that for those of us that want to make a difference in the world with our work, um, in order to make that difference, we have to be able to inspire our ideal client to make a decision, to step forward, to say, yes, today's the day I'm going to, you know, secure my financial freedom, save my marriage or lose lose the weight I've been, you know, promising I'd lose. So whatever that is that you do, uh, whether it's in office, or, you know, brick and mortar practice or virtually, uh, we're doing, you know, we're all as entrepreneurs and business owners spending so much time and so much money getting out there, doing things to be known, right, to collect leads, to attract our clients. We're, we're doing podcasts and blogs and we're on social media and we're making videos and we're going to events. And, you know, all of those things are important, of course. I do them myself. Um, but, but I really would put all of that into the category of, let's say, lead generation, client attraction. Problem with doing all that is that if you don't have what I call a sales conversion machine, if all those people that you're attracting, if you don't have a, a system, a way to make your invitation to offer that difference you make, that transformation, then you're doing all the heavy lifting, all the hard work, all the expensive and time-consuming part. You're away from your family more than you probably want to be, and you're not seeing the rewards. And, and when I say rewards, I don't just mean 
big money, but I mean the rewards of actually being able to help people in that deeper change, that deeper transformation that you know, whether it's putting a new roof on their house or you know showing them how to, to dress for success. So we have to have an offer. You have to, here's the key, okay? Sure. Reverse engineer everything you do to lead to your offer and that should be an irresistible offer. So if you're sponsoring and you got a booth somewhere or you're, you know, have attracted one-on-one -on -one phone calls, you want to make sure that all of those things were pre-thought out, built backwards with the irresistible offer in mind. And you know, one of the things that breaks my heart, Josh, and, and I'm sure you've seen this too, you interview so many people, you get the 25-year veteran out there, someone that's been doing, you know, financial advising, real estate, you know, for 25 years. And they're out there doing the talks and educating the world and they've got their brochures and their website. And, you know, they are, they don't, they don't understand how does this like six month newbie that kind of like the ink just dried on the real estate license, how are they getting the business when I've been doing this 25 years, I'm clearly the better choice. Well, when you don't make an offer, which some of our folks who've been around a while resist, right? Don't shoot the messenger here, I'm trying to help. When you don't make an offer, you're doing all the heavy lifting, you're educating the market, thank you so much. And the new kid is coming in and you know using the techniques to serve people on the spot, making an offer, you did all the heavy lifting, they're getting the business. Sure. It doesn't have to be that way. I guess how do you figure out what really needs you know as as a entrepreneur business what really needs to be outsourced I mean because as a, we're doing everything we're like okay what can I actually unload and, and have people help me with you know to get me focused on the right tasks Yeah so that's a really really good question so the bottom line is if you outsource the wrong things in your business you are not going to make any more money right Right. Makes sense. There's no use in doing something well. It does not need to be done at all. <laughs> you know? And so so what I would say there is you want to take an inventory of how you were spending your time. So you can use a tool like Time Doctor and you know have a little you know software, you know, ask you what you're doing every few minutes or whatever. Or you can just take an inventory. How are you spending your time on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis? Sure. Then you're going to want to look at your day and separate things out into what are the money-making activities in your business. So what are what what is driving your business forward in terms of sales, in terms of marketing, in terms of bringing more cash into your business? Those are the things you do not want to outsource. Those are the things <laughs> you should be doing. Right. You know, first and foremost. And then you want to look at what is getting in the way of your money max and money-making activities on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And so those are probably going to be things that you hate. Those are probably going to be things that you don't have the skills for. Maybe there are things that you like to do, but are really just low dollar power. So for some people, that's going to be social media. For some people, it's going to be invoicing. For some people, it's going to be writing their newsletter. Um, sure. For others, it's going to be, you know, um, coordinating client information. Like if all of that stuff is, you know, fundamentally, let's just go on the high end here and say it's $15 an hour work, right? Right. Okay, well, is that allowing you to do your 50, your 100, your 500, or $1,000 an hour work? Because if you are doing those tasks yourself, you are not saving money. Like sure. we go over something very simple in one of our free training programs where we talk about like how you can literally double your profit by working less than you are now. And that's not some magic formula. <laughs> that's just 
applying opportunity costs to your calendar. And this is where I get really worked up because I feel like most businesses don't go out of business because they don't go out of business because like, because um, they don't know how to use WordPress. They're going out of right. business because they don't bring money into your business. But why aren't they bringing money into their business? Because they're trying, you know, with the best of intentions to do everything themselves. And, and you do that because you want to manage the money in your business. But if you're not doing your core job as the CEO, bringing cash into your business, you are failing your business. Your business will not survive. Definitely. For me, it's like, why, why are we here like on this planet? We're here on this planet for many reasons. One of those reasons is to enjoy life. And, right. uh, you know, I think you spoke about this in your podcast before, but it's, uh, you know, we go into businesses because we want to have this time freedom. We want to have the sure. flexibility to take a, like, a vacation to Greece. We want to have the time freedom to not feel like the business that we created to have, you know, flexibility and to, you know, to really live our lives passionately is like literally trapping us. And right. when you're doing all this work that you don't like and you're not good at, it's sort of like you quit your nine to five to work 24 seven. And that's not cool. That's not what most people signed up for. And it really prevents you at the end of the day from living the most fulfilling life possible. And so for me, it's like, it's not about outsourcing. Who cares about outsourcing? Right. Outsourcing is a tool. Outsourcing is a tool to get your time back, to enjoy your life at the level that I feel like we all are meant to, you know, I could go on and on, but yeah. <laughs> No, that, and that's it. Great. So tell me a little bit, um, what was uh, one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever received? So one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever received is that, you know, a lot of people, um, businesses often don't go out of business because of um, having too little opportunity. It's not like we have too few ideas. So it right. really comes down to opportunity selection um, not, you know, doing everything. And so, so based off of that, it's really important to look at the projects in your life and in your business and really evaluate what is going to bring you the most joy, what's going to be the easiest to implement and what's going to bring you in the most cash in your business. And you can do that on a macro level by looking at, you know, different business opportunities, right? If there's multiple business opportunities in your life, or you can do that on a micro level and look at the different projects um, that you have as, as options for you, right? Because so often yep. as entrepreneurs, we want to say yes to so many things, but what does that lead to? It leads to overwhelm, it leads to burnout, and it leads to us under leveraging ourselves. Like I'm a big, um, big believer in the Pareto principle of using, you know, a small amount of effort to get really huge results. And so I think it's really important to start actively saying no to most projects and opportunities, because when you say no to most projects and opportunities, you say no to the great opportunities, but you can say yes to the exceptional sure. ones. No, so that's, that's great for sure. You know, the other thing that I really <clears throat> learned is, um, you know, within my first business, Tiny Devotions, I realized I want to be a lifetime entrepreneur. Okay. Like this is going to be my thing. And I knew that, you know, being a lifetime entrepreneur, I would always be learning how to be better, but that one thing I needed to do, and it's it's funny, I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs choose this, um, but it was to be a lifetime entrepreneur and really be at the best and 
you know, operate in that level of excellence. I mm. need to really master the language of finances and okay, get sure. very, very serious about business finances right. and reading the story of the business. So what I did is I, I started out as like 99% of entrepreneurs, which is my first year in business. Like all my receipts were like in a sleeve <laughs> and it was an absolute disaster. And like, I don't even know how I did my first year end. Right. Hey, accountant, here's like all this. Can you, can you figure this out? But I think two, two to three years in, I realized I was like, no, finance is the business of language. Uh, sorry, is the finance is the language of entrepreneurship. Right. I'm going to be an entrepreneur forever. I need to master this language. So I took myself on this journey of, of trying to figure out how do I master this? Okay. I didn't see anyone talking about this. Sure. Um, and I went, you know, to my accountant and I realized I was like, okay, he's not going to give me the answers. Went to my bookkeeper, realized <laughs> they also weren't going to give me the answers. And then so created like a self-study for myself to really oh, wow. figure out okay. how to be what I call a chief financial entrepreneur. Mm, interesting. <laughs> well, and I think you're totally right because um, <clears throat> with that, um, we don't always, as entrepreneurs, you're growing, you're, you're so focused on, all right, how do I bring in more sales? Where do I spend my money for marketing and everything? But, and okay, cool, money's coming in, great, the bank account looks good, there's money in there, and there's money going out, all right, we're still positive, and you don't actually looking at, all right, you know, yeah, I spent way too much over here, and I don't really have that as much as I should have coming in. Um, what were some of the major red flags that you found like when you were looking back at your business um, after you started to learn about the language of finance? So I was really, really lucky. I did something very rare. And what that was is I set my business up with amazing gross profit. Okay. And so being in a physical product business, you have something called COGS, which stands for cost of goods sold. And so, you know, to break that down in a really kind of dumb and drunk way is, <laughs> um, you know, if you're selling something for, um, for $10, you know, you want to buy it for as little as possible. And so like my goal with the jewelry company and jewelry has very high margins. Sure. If I was selling something for a hundred dollars, I would want to buy it for $10 right. so that I had like 10 X margin. So because I had made that decision early on that I was going to set my business up with these great um, margins, sure. I actually was able to avoid looking at my numbers <laughs> for a while right. because I, I couldn't really <clears throat> lose. However, again, I wanted to get into that, you know, the 1%. I wanted right. to be the 1% of the 1%. So I'm like, I need to like go deeper than that. Okay. Um, and so I think for me, it actually went from, uh, when I started my business, it was very much a blue ocean. So I had like no competition. I had this That's awesome. great, sure. you know, margin product. However, as competitors started entering the marketplace, um, things got tighter. Cause even though I had amazing, I had 80% gross profit, um, I still had to, you know, figure out how to scale and, and how to market, you know, and things like that. But uh, to ground it down into something that the listeners might get value of, what I see now in doing this work with others, <laughs> the biggest problem is entrepreneurs, and I'm talking about successful entrepreneurs, right. maybe even entrepreneurs in the 1%, they're just not looking at their numbers. Mm. I see this a shocking amount. And anytime I sit down with an entrepreneur and go through their numbers with them, they know what to do. Okay. So when they actually see the numbers and are able to read the story, sometimes you can't even read the story sure. because of organization. Okay. Their numbers are not organized in a way that anyone can know what's actually mm. happening. But once that organization is done and, and you show the entrepreneur, like, here's the story of your business, they literally know what their next three actions are. 
Gotcha. Tell me what got you started as an entrepreneur. That's always like my first question, even I don't have set questions. Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely an accidental entrepreneur. Okay. I did not think I was going to be a business owner whatsoever. I was much more of an artist. And I was a documentary filmmaker, believe it or not. Wow. For seven okay. years. And working for somebody else's company, being hired to produce and direct documentaries. Sure. So one day I'm working on an edit of a film. And I was there just buried in the edit, and my boss comes walking in, and she says, can I have your power cord? I forgot mine at home. And I said, no, you can't, because I'm finishing this film, <laughs> and you know, I only have about 30 minutes of battery power left. If you want me to finish this thing, then I need it. Right. Plus, we had a whole office full of production assistants, so and have big team. interns, yeah. and all these other people that she could have asked, but she needed my power cable in that particular okay. moment. So then she started getting a little bit aggro, and she said, well, you know, that power cord, I own that power cord. In that computer, I own that computer too. And okay. what she didn't wow. say was, Marisa, I own you, right. but it's the undertone of what I was hearing. Mm. And I was realizing that I was working 40, 50, 60 hours a week to build somebody else's company. Sure. And I was getting paid a thousand bucks a week, and if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. Mm. And even though I loved the work, the creativity of being a filmmaker, right. I didn't love the job and I definitely didn't love the boss. And sure. I realized I was doing what so many people were doing because in that moment, I gave her my power cord and I essentially gave up my power. Wow, and I think so many people yeah. give their power up in their lives and in sure. their work in particular. And if you're spending a third of your life doing something, why do it in a disempowering way? And right. so even though I was an artist, I thought I had no business chops whatsoever. I thought, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can do something, but what the hell were people going to actually pay me for? Right. So I started to rack my brains, like, what can you actually do, Marisa? And the only thing that I could think of is, you know, I can make things look good, I can make things sound good, and I can tell a damn good story, but who the hell's going to pay me for that? Right. And what I didn't realize at the time, that those skill sets were mm -hmm. the core skill sets of all business and all marketing. For sure. But I was in this other industry where the skills weren't all that valued. Right. So I didn't realize I could just pivot over here and the same skills that I've been, you know, scrapping along with for <laughs> years would all of a sudden take on massive value. And right. today, you know, people pay me like fifteen thousand dollars a day for my time or wow, three thousand dollars awesome. an hour. Yeah. And at the time I was like, What are people gonna even pay me fifty bucks for? And you just don't know what you don't know sometimes, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's super interesting. I mean, just because <clears throat> the way, I mean, obviously the process that you got to become an entrepreneur, but um, now the whole fact that you're able just to flip everything that you learn. And I mean, as entrepreneurs, and one of the biggest things too is, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 14. I've owned 15 companies over the years, but it's the story part. And, you know, that's always been like, as entrepreneurs, that's the hardest thing sometimes for us to figure out and understand. Yeah. And so being able to take your skills and see it from a third person uh, is amazing. And I think that's just transformationally Yeah, cool. you know what? <laughs> it's interesting because now MFAs, people who get a Master's of Fine Arts, are paid more than MBAs. People have Master of Business. Oh, wow. And the only you know, skill sure. that can't be transferred to AI or outsourced is creativity. Creativity, right. So entertainment. And some of the ways that we are creative in our businesses and innovating are the only actually, you know, jobs of the future that are going to be 100% secure. Sure. So the jobs that previously were the riskiest jobs are now going to become the most, the secure, most secure jobs. Overall. So it's our creativity, mm. our ability to tell stories, our ability to make people think and feel things that they right. haven't thought and felt before are actually our saving grace. Awesome. Marisa, it was amazing to have you on the show. Such an honor and thank you for your time today. Sharing your message with everybody uh, was super great. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. I am Josh Felber. You were watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary.
Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.